Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Henry. Happy birthday to you. Welcome to an episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Yes, today we are upstairs, actually, podcasting. We're in our dining room because downstairs is filled with my family, where we usually podcast. Yes, we have a tremendously huge weekend coming up, uh, especially for my daughter, Henley. Yeah, it's your daughter. It's my daughter, too. Our daughter, Henley. Our daughter, Henley, turns three. I know. Oh, my gosh. This time right now, last year, or two years, three years ago, (laughs) gosh, time flies. Wow. I'm tired. (laughs) I was out of a job three years ago this time. I was super pregnant. And we just bought a house. Yeah, and I was terrified that... I did get a job. Yeah, that you wouldn't get a job. But I got a job and knowing that she was going to be born. And then I started my first day of work. And I remember it because it was the day of the solar eclipse. That's when I went into labor with Henley. And that was my first day, my first full day of work. And benefits had just kicked in and Jamie goes into labor. So I tell my manager, oh, yeah, I have to go. My daughter's going to be born. Yeah. Paternity leave, please. We're lucky they hired you. Did they know know that your wife was nine months pregnant? They're not supposed to ask that, though. Did they ask that? No. Oh, so they had no idea? Oh, my gosh. No, they knew because the one, the human resource guy was actually a fan of the show. He made it clear that he removed himself from the hiring process because he didn't want to show favoritism. But he knew that I was right for the sales position at the company. Oh, you got lucky. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, today we have an amazing guest on the podcast for you. Yeah, a little bit different of a guest. Definitely a little bit different, but probably one of the most important guests to have on. It almost seems like it should be a movie. I could definitely see that and maybe even write a book because her story is so inspiring. So Brianna Lockwood, she suffered from infertility for a very, very long time. She's tried everything, obviously IVF. A couple times IVF. Multiple times. Which is a lot of money. Yeah. I don't want to ruin the whole story for (laughs) you, but she had to like put their house on the market. The doctor said, listen, I just you know, I don't think it's going to work for you. And so she had to go find a surrogate and her surrogate is the unlikeliest source and (laughs) it's the sweetest story and it will make you want to hug your mommy if you have a good mom. I want to be a mom like her mom. (laughs) Her mom is incredible. And honestly, I don't, you know, those of you guys listening, you guys know I don't have that close of a relationship with my mom. I wish that, (laughs) you know, I could have, but... What Janie's trying to say is that her mom was her surrogate. And is carrying her baby. I wasn't going to spill the beans, Doug. I was going to let her spill the beans. Well, that's all I'm saying. And the reason why I wanted to spill the beans is because if you're 55, I don't want you to have a baby at 55. I would do that for Henley, though. (laughs) But I don't want to ruin any more of their story. They tell it way better than we can. We have them on to talk about all the details about how her mom became her surrogate, what they're going through, just all the details of the whole entire story. So Brianna Lockwood's on later. But first, talking about my HPV. Well, before your HPV, I want to start on a lighter note and give a shout out to one of our five-star reviewers. And this week comes from Abigail Gamble, who says, love this podcast. Pregnant with our first and due in a couple weeks. This podcast has given me comfort during this time and educated me on so many things. Great job, guys, with an emoji. 
Thank you, Abigail. Good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you, Abigail. That's awesome. And we love, it, love, love hearing from you guys. And it would really show that you love the podcast if you named your son or daughter, Doug or Jamie. Speaking of that, I cannot wait to share this. This is the most exciting news that I've had in a very long time. <laughs> no, I'm not pregnant. We haven't had sex in like probably at this point. Close to a year. Yeah, almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, we haven't had sex since mm. I had, like way before I was pregnant with Hendrix. But anyways, or I mean not pregnant. <laughs> Jeez, I meant had mm. Hendrix. No, my sister, well, both my sisters, I don't know if you guys, those of you who have been listening for a long time know this, but when I first got pregnant with Hendrix, both my sisters were pregnant with me. And unfortunately, they both lost their babies. And I went on to carry, you know, Hendrix. And now both of my sisters are pregnant. They're due a week apart from each other. And my sister, Amy Lynn, is naming her son, my nephew, Jamie. I think she said it's going to be Jaime, but she we'll said, call it Jamie. She's naming my nephew after me. Like, I... Not going to lie, some tears have been shed. <laughs> I talk about it every single day to Doug. Every day. I'm like, wow, can you believe that, Doug? Yes. I mean, I feel like it's like the ultimate honor to have a child named after you. And my sister, Leah, she named her daughter Rylan Nicole after me. My middle name's Nicole. And then my sister, Amy, is naming her son, Jamie, after me. Yeah, they didn't do that for me at all. That is so sweet. Like, is there any better honor in the world than to name your son or your daughter after someone? Yeah. No, I mean, that's pretty high up there. That's pretty special. And I even told Doug, I was like, if she changes her mind because she has <laughs> literally six months of pregnancy left, I was like, I wouldn't even care. Like, it's the thought that counts. And like, it's just the sweetest thought. Yeah. I'm just so excited. I can't stop talking <laughs> about it, but let's move on. <laughs> So yes, I'm going to have a nephew named Jamie, and it's mm -hmm. going to be spelled just a little differently, J-A-Y-M-E, and we're going to nickname him Jay. I wonder if he'll have HPV. I hope he never gets HPV. <laughs> I hope he doesn't take yeah. after me in that way. That's been the whole week so far. But it's been so cute. Before we go on to the HPV, like my <laughs> sister showed me pictures of Jamie. She's a nurse as well, and she works in an OBGYN clinic. Looks just like you, by the way, when you were that age. You're such a jerk because you know if any of you guys have seen a baby at three months, <laughs> they don't. They look yeah, like aliens. Yeah, the same. But no, he did have his legs bent in a position like in the way that I sleep, like just kind of, you know, curled up or whatever. And she goes, oh, he's just like his namesake. And I was like, oh my God, my sister's doing it. Like I could cry talking about this. <laughs> but in other news, those of you, I feel like we're just catching those of you who are new to this episode, catching up to speed, but those of you guys who have been listening, quick update on the HPV thing. So I was diagnosed with HPV when I was pregnant, obviously have to wait for, you know, any sort of treatment because I was pregnant. So I got a colposcopy. It came back as high risk cells, but nothing you can really do while you're pregnant because they don't want to risk losing the baby. And so I had to wait until my six week postpartum checkup and sometimes it goes away. And I was really kind of banking on that because a lot of people were like, oh, mine just went away. Don't even worry about it. After you have the baby, it sheds those bad cells. And so I just assumed that would be my case as well. Well, did this happen with Henley? Yes, it did happen with and, Henley. But did it go away? 
yes, it went away with Henley. I've never had much further of an issue. And so this time around, it didn't go away and the cells came back even more worrisome. So there's low grade, medium grade, and high grade dysplasia. And mine was high grade. And so the doctor was like, we absolutely have to do a leap procedure. We have to cut that out of your cervix. Otherwise, if you leave it in there, you will have cervical cancer. Which isn't so invasive as a long time ago from what she was saying. It is so invasive well, I mean, either way. I mean, I had my legs up in stirrups. Well, this is the thing is that I was in an OR. You're right, Doug. Like it doesn't have to be so invasive. It just happened to be for me because... Well, back in the day, didn't they have to like take the whole thing out or something like that or cut a lot out? They cut out a lot, but either way, it's invasive. There's a woman who has a speculum or a man and they have a speculum up your vagina and they're staring at your cervix. That's yeah, so invasive. It's weird. It's very, very uncomfortable. You, it's now, not pleasurable at all. Not at all. What are you, crazy? I don't know. Things go up there that are pleasurable. That is not pleasurable, Doug. No. Trust me, it is so painful, especially if they don't like lube the speculum, then it really hurts a lot Oh, on yeah. top of it. That opens you up a lot, right? Yeah. So typically they could do it in the office and that she was going to do it in the office, but because we fly to Florida on mm-hmm. Tuesday... She doesn't, I apparently didn't have any time and she really wanted to cut out this bad cells. It was a priority. Yeah. And instead of going into the office, they had to squeeze you in and you ended up in the OR. Yeah. In the and, operating room. Yeah. So you had to get like checked in and there was a waiting area yeah. where they asked you all these questions and yeah. you got in a robe and you got really cool socks to put on <laughs> and you got Hospital a headdress sock. and your own locker. <laughs> The best thing ever is the hospital underwear. I mean, I might just buy myself some hospital <laughs> underwear and just wear them every day of my life. I got you some, didn't I? They're so comfortable. I love them. I got you some from Target. Yes, you did. Those ones are a little pricier than the hospital ones. They're uh, Freedom Mom, and mm-hmm. they were a little pricier, but definitely worth the investment. Yeah. Well, because you can, yeah, you can put a ice pack in them. Oh, they were so comfortable. I'm not going to lie, I even washed them <laughs> and used them, and that's no. not protocol. <laughs> but yeah, so they did ask a bunch of like really weird questions. Like, Doug, do you remember what the questions were? Um, it was like, do you snore when you sleep? And I was like, I don't know, Doug, do I snore? Yes, absolutely. I do snore? Yeah. How bad of a snore? You don't snore all the time, but you do snore like enough to where I have to like roll over heavily. <laughs> so you wake up a little bit. And you then, snore too. And I'm not even polite about it. I'm like, Doug, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always wake me up. I do. I'm like, Doug, wake up, roll over. Sometimes I don't remember. But they also said like, when did you last have a period? And... <laughs> You were just like, I think a year ago? No, it was August. My last period was August of 2019. And the lady, when I said that, she didn't realize that I had just had a baby. (laughs) Which I don't know how she didn't realize that, but she didn't ask. And I guess she didn't see that part of my history. Mm -mm. And so she just looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, August of 2019, I just had a baby. (laughs) Yeah. And then she was like, "Uh, have you had any drastic changes in weight? And I, again, I was like, well, how, like how drastic and like when? Because <laughs> she was like over the last week or so. You're like, no. Yeah. But I mean, if we want to talk about drastic weight change, I get it now. Like with Henley, I really didn't gain. I thought I gained weight. I really didn't gain weight with Henley. With Hendrix, holy moly, none of my clothes fit. <laughs> she also asked, when did you last eat? When did you last drink? When did you last empty your bladder? Yeah. And I was like. I mean, of course, she's like grilling me like I'm actually going to go under anesthesia, which makes it more nerve wracking because I'm like, I thought this was no big deal. Like I was just going to be in and out and it's not going to be painful and it's perfectly fine. Which I think really 
set you up for failure. Yeah, I know. With this procedure. Because like so many people messaged me on Instagram saying, oh, I had it. It's not that painful. Don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, it really isn't that painful in hindsight, but it was very painful. It was shockingly painful for me. And I think it's because I wasn't expecting any pain, which is absolutely silly because she goes in there with, for a lack of better words, like a sharp object and cuts into mm-hmm. my cervix. Cuts like, a cone out. Yeah, and it is a cone. Did you get to see it? I did. I asked her if I could see it. She cut out two cones. Oh, what did it look like? It almost looked like steak meat, but like white instead of red. Really? White? Literally just like that. Yeah, it was like whitish pink. I guess that's what means that it's like the bad cells. That's what she said. She said she put something on it to show where the bad cells are that makes the skin white. And so then she cuts the white skin off. Well, she ran out to catch us in the elevator to say that it went well and that she got everything out. Yeah, I mean... I think she was being very nice to me, which I do appreciate it. But I guess some people get anesthesia for literally procedures. Some people don't get any medication. I got local anesthesia. Mm. So she like basically numbed me up how the dentists do, but in my vagina, in my cervix. So you can imagine the needle, like definitely not comfortable. And she definitely didn't use enough or like wait for it to be effective because I felt it. And she goes, oh, are you feeling that? You shouldn't feel that. I was like, yes, like Mm -hmm. yelped out. And then I felt embarrassed that I yelped out in pain because I wanted to be strong and (laughs) didn't want to seem like Why do you do that? I don't know. But then Why do you try to be strong like that? I don't know. I was so strong when I had Hendrix. I didn't Mm -hmm. cry. I didn't scream until I actually pushed him out. I had no choice. Oh, my God. It, like, was all-consuming. I can't wait. We're going to have that YouTube video up for you guys soon. Yeah, that's going to be intense. But yeah, so we got the HPV. It's out of my body. At least it should be when the leap procedure. Right now it's at the pathologist. I'll find out if she got all the, the bad cells out. And I'm pretty sure she did. Well, don't they check to see if it is bad? Or do yeah. they just, like, what do they do with it? They send it to a pathologist and then they analyze it to see if the cells are abnormal or if they're oh. normal cells. And then what do they do? Do you think they just, like, burn it or, like, throw it away in the garbage? I don't know. That's a good question. What right? what do they do with my cervix yeah. when they're done analyzing it? Like how many it? cervixes do they see? Or is it cervix or cervi? <laughs> At that point, I don't know. <laughs> That's really funny. But in other news, our sweet daughter is three tomorrow. And this is the first birthday that she realizes that she has a birthday. Like mm-hmm. she understands that like tomorrow's her day. Yeah. She like, knows how old she is. Yeah. She'll like throw up three fingers. I mean, for the past three weeks, she's been like, my birthday's coming up. My birthday's coming <laughs> yeah. up. My birthday's coming up. You really couldn't tell today during her nap time, but. Oh right. my gosh. I don't know of anybody. I've never, maybe parents aren't so forthcoming about this information. But Henley is as smart as can be. Like she surprises me with how much she knows and how much she learns. And for the past couple months, she is defiant in taking a nap. And I think that she either gets upset and takes out her anger or she knows that she gets out of bed when she does this. But there's been a handful of times now where she's actually reached into her diaper, saves her poop for a nap time, and smears it on her and her bed. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, this is how I found out today. smell it down the hall. Yes, so not even just on the hall, down the stairs on the first level. I went to go get shoes on to go out to the garage today, and I smelled poop, and I was like, where is that coming from? Like, I wouldn't expect that coming from my daughter's room upstairs at the other end of the house. Mm-mm. Like, no way. No joke. I kid you not. I went upstairs and it was even more pungent. I was like, she pooped and smeared it everywhere again. I know she did it. And I go in there and I was like, 
you know, for her three-year checkup I had it the other day, I was like asking the doctor, like, how do we punish her? Like what, like, you know, there's a lot of information on like teaching and all these things. And like, and I know that punishment, I don't want consequences, not so much punishment, but there should be consequences where it's clear. It's just that like, I know that my mom, first of all, she wasn't always consistent. And I know consistency is definitely key because I know how I was when I was a kid. Like if she wasn't consistent, then I would just hound her until I got my way. Mm-hmm. And eventually I would get my way. <laughs> so we definitely have to stay consistent. I know that for sure. But I, Today I, was smart. This yeah, today we, we handled it the first time for the best time. Because like usually she would poop and smear it everywhere. And we would yell at her and tell her that we're disappointed. And that's so gross. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. And she can get sick. And then we would give her a bath and she'd be up mm-hmm. and play. And that clearly hasn't worked. Yeah. So today we were very, very stern. And mm-hmm. I said, and I hope this is the right word. This is where, I don't know if you guys remember a few episodes back, we had big little feelings on and these women are like pros. I don't like, think we can hang on every word that we say to them. Yeah. But like, I always wonder, like, am I, I don't want to do any damage to my daughter's psyche. So yeah, yeah, but then you second guess yourself all the time. Yeah, it's true. So I said, I'm really disappointed in you, Henley. And then I was like, shoot, am I supposed to say that? Like, mm. am I, like, am I not supposed to tell her I'm disappointed? I don't know. Does she know what disappointed means? She definitely knows. But anyways, I said, I'm disappointed in her. <laughs> and she says, mommy. And I she promise. Like, and she, yeah. She like reached up to me with her poopy hands. And I was like, I'm not touching those hands. Mm-hmm. They are disgusting, Henley. Yeah. I said, that is disgusting. I mean, I'm not kidding you it's on her face it is on her face on her feet on her legs on her arm on her pillow on her mattress it is everywhere yeah the last time it was all over her toys that she pulled it was on her yep it was on her stuffed animals god but this time the bed yeah this time though i think it was smart and i'm happy that you thought of it because i didn't think of it i thought of it spur of the moment yeah but we told her that no she's taking a bath she's getting back in bed no cup of milk she's just getting back in bed for a nap yeah, and, and I said, you're sitting in timeout. So the doctor was like, because I asked him, I don't know what a healthy punishment is at three years old. I don't yeah. want to spank my kid and I don't want to scream at her. Yeah, before and that's we what my mom just, did. Yeah, we were just putting matches out on her. Yeah, Douglas, come on. <clears throat> don't even joke about that. I don't even think that's funny. Like, okay. I have no sense of humor when it comes to that. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole of like, uh, of like child abuse. I just hate it. But yeah, my mom... The only thing she ever really did was just like yell at us or spank us. And that obviously wasn't really that effective. Or like we would just beg until we got our way. We got spanked. I don't want to hit. I really don't. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And I really think that there's a way you can discipline without hitting. And so I asked the doctor, and that's what I was trying to get at, is he said, take the toys away. Like if it's like something to do with a toy or timeout is so effective. Like Mm -hmm. you just make them sit there the whole time, no matter what. And so that's what I did. I'm not even kidding. I gave her the bath, cleaned her off real good. And then she, you know, tells me she wants to go downstairs and everything. And I was like, no, you're going in timeout. And she sat in the chair. She sat in the chair the whole time. Watched Doug and I clean up all her crap out of the bed and sanitize her bed and stuff. And then the minute we were done, we put her in some fresh clothes and put her right back into bed. She stayed asleep for a little bit, right? She didn't sleep at all. She was oh, up she that didn't? whole time. That's funny. But when I went in there to go get her, it was so cute. I like didn't go in immediately to get her so that she got the punishment, you know? I was being a yeah. tough mom. Well, plus I had something that I was making for outside so we couldn't That's reveal true. it. But still, like I had things I had to get done. I could tell she was fine. And I also wanted her to recognize that you can't just poop and smear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So after like an hour went by, she heard me up stairs I was like cleaning something and she goes mommy mommy can I get out (laughs) I was like when did you it's just so surreal like she's three now Mm -hmm. and like just like two years ago she couldn't even talk like (laughs) and now you know what I did the other day 
and Rachel was here for it. Rachel, who watches her during the day. Yeah, Rachel is kind of like a jack of all trades for us because mm-hmm. she helps us watch Henley while I'm working or with Hendrix. And she also helps me with the podcast stuff. She helps me with so many things. Yeah, she really does everything for us. We have a few amazing people in our lives like Rachel, Zoe, Diana, Rebecca. Yep. So when I put Henley down, I said specifically because the day before she had did this, I said, Henley, if you have to go potty, you tell us. All you have to do is say, Daddy, I have to go pee-pee. Daddy, I have to go poopy. That's it. I said, if you don't have to go now, if you wake up and you feel that urge, just yell it. And so 20 minutes go by and over the speaker that we have in her room and the little monitor that goes down here, all I hear is, Daddy, I got a poopy. (laughs) Daddy, I got a poopy. And you know what? I go in there and I go, Henley, what was that? Daddy, I got a poopy. I go, you have to go potty? She goes, no. (sighs) Yeah. So I put her back to bed. But she did it. Well, today when I went to get her the second time, she goes, Mom, I pee-peed in my diaper and I didn't touch it. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that she really doesn't need a diaper anymore at nap time either. Because like she's potty trained. We mm-hmm. just put it on at bedtime and at nap time. But I'm not maybe that's half doing the it problem. Overnight. Okay, fine. So I feel like now that we've talked enough about <laughs> our daughter's poop, I hope. I don't know any other parent that has had that issue unless people aren't saying it. Yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty embarrassing. I'm not proud that my daughter poops and then like puts her hands in it and plays yeah. it and smears it everywhere. We have the smelly kid in class. Yeah, we really do. But <laughs> the smelly kid is going to Florida with us on Tuesday. We're flying to Florida. Yeah, to the go. next time you hear us, we'll be in Florida. Yep, we'll be coming at you hot from Florida. So we left Florida to come back to New Jersey, which was the epicenter. And now we're going to Florida, which is now the epicenter of we're COVID. Real, we're smart, yes. smart folk. Really smart travelers. <laughs> and there's apparently supposed to be a hurricane on Tuesday, and we're flying right into it. We're just real yeah. smart folk. But no, it's not a major one, obviously, or else we wouldn't. But we have to get down there. I have pre-ordered a mattress, and I pre-ordered an air mattress because the mattress wouldn't make it in time. And I pre-ordered sheets. Internet? No internet. So that's going to be interesting. If there's no TV, it's a completely vacant house. There's nothing there but the pool. We've hired a pool guy you know, to maintain the pool. That's going to be there. Who knows if he is. We're well, just no, getting he, billed for it. No, he definitely is. And the other thing, like the first thing I plan on doing is putting a fence around that pool because I'm so terrified that Henley mm-hmm. will fall in. It takes two seconds, like yeah. just two seconds of her to be alone outside or to sneak outside. I think she knows that she needs floaties in, but you can slip in and fall. And oh. I just don't want to ever have to do that yeah. because you know what the issue is, is that there's three doors that go into this lanai. If anybody is familiar with Florida where you see every house, house has a pool and then like a fenced in or sort of screened in area. Yeah. Yeah, Through the house, there is three sliding doors that can lead to the pool all in separate areas of the house. Yep. So we need to get something on there. Yeah. It's very scary, but I did call the fencing people and I have two different coats coming out and that's the first thing I'm doing. I don't even have furniture. I don't even care about furniture. Like I'm putting a fence around that pool. Yeah. We got to get her swim lessons. Yeah. She needs, she's three and doesn't swim. And I know a lot of three-year-olds who know how to swim. So we've got to get her swimming. And then the the last thing before we bring on Brianna that I think is just like so funny and I have to tell you is that Doug is going to be alone in a completely vacant house with a three-year-old and a three-month-old 
for three days because I have to fly to LA for work. We're going shopping for a TV and an entertainment system. Listen here, buddy. You better not be spending too much money while I'm gone. We are going to set the place up. (laughs) I always get so sad when I have to fly to LA because you always have the best time. I know. I don't know how I'll have the best time ever with two kids, but we'll see. Yeah, you would do all the fun things with Henley when I was gone working. And then you would like send me pictures while I'm sitting on set for 12 (laughs) hours. And I'm like, I'm doing a job that I love. and It's your dream job. Yep. It is my dream job. I absolutely love hosting Married at First Sight Unfiltered. And I'm doing my dream job of being a stay-at-home dad. Is that your dream job? No. <laughs> Listen, when you're working, I'm at home with the kids. I know. So you have teamwork. Yeah, but I don't think you've spent a couple nights with two kids. Neither have you. Not yet. I know. I would love to, though. I'm not going to lie. No, you wouldn't. That's a really good point, actually, Doug. Actually, that's not true. I flew to L.A. with Henley... In the beginning, I always took her with me because I was nursing. I was like two kids. Well, neither have you. Neither one of us have yet. No. It's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Yes. I think it's a good time to bring Brianna Lockwood and her mother on for the most inspiring story that yes. you're ever going to hear. I mean, it is genuinely so, so inspiring. But before we bring on Brianna and her mother, the company that we spoke about the last couple podcasts is Jonas Paul Eyewear and... They specialize in glasses for kids ages 4 to 16. Now, they do prescription lenses, but they also offer blue light blocking lenses available on all Jonas Paul eyewear frames, so both prescription and non-prescription. It's absolutely perfect for kids that are getting extra screen time that have to be on the computer during the day. Our daughter. Definitely our daughter. They offer a home try-on kit for just $1. It allows you to try on the pair of glasses at home in the comfort of your own home. You get to see how they look, how they feel. There's no pressure of going to the store and having to buy one right then and there. You can try it on for a dollar, send them back. Prescription glasses start at just $79, including prescription lenses. So anybody that has kiddos between 4 and 16 Definitely check out JonasPaulEyewear.com and you can use our code COOLPARENTS15 to get $15 at checkout. So that's JonasPaulEyewear.com. Use the promo code COOLPARENTS15 for 15% off. JonasPaulEyewear.com. And for any parents that are looking to mix things up in the kitchen or if you're looking for healthier, high-quality meals, highly recommend checking out Green Chef. You've heard us speak about HelloFresh before. Well, HelloFresh bought Green Chef, which is a USDA certified organic company. They offer meal plans, which include paleo, plant-powered, keto, balanced living. Best part is, is that you can switch up your meals every single week, depending on what you're feeling, or if you just want to try out some new recipes. And best of all, the recipes are quick and easy. They have step-by-step instruction, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. And the recipes include pre-made measured sauces, dressings, and spices. So you get way more flavor in much less time. Most importantly, though, you don't have to be an expert chef to be able to make these meals. A couple days ago, I made Jamie the grilled Mediterranean veggies, which has couscous, has a tahini sauce, almonds. I chose the balanced living, so I got the chicken piccata. But both meals were prepared super easy. We loved it. We ate all of it. Even Henley had tried some which was perfect because we didn't want to go out to the store. So if you or someone you know eats food at some point, here's a great way to try out Green Chef without having to pay full price. So when you use the code HOTMARRIAGE80, 
you get $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your very first box. You can just go to greenchef.com backslash hot marriage 80 to redeem this offer $80 off your first month with free shipping on your first box. So go to greenchef.com backslash hot marriage 80 to redeem this offer. So excited because we have Brianna Lockwood. She's a mama to be, an Instagram blogger, blogger, <laughs> blogger, and a fertility awareness advocate. And her mother, Julie Loving, are our guests today. Brianna has a very, very special story to share with us, one that is unique and beautiful. So after going through a difficult journey trying to get pregnant, Brianna turned to surrogacy, and let's just say she found her perfect match. Today, we're interviewing Brianna and her mama, Julie Loving, aka Brianna's surrogate. Hey, Brianna. Welcome. I know your mom's coming in just a moment, but wanted to, first of all, congratulate you. I know that you've had quite a rough journey. So congrats. You're pregnant. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so excited for you. So this is like the norm for me. I like scroll through Instagram because I'm nursing my baby or, you know, whatever it may be, just scrolling Instagram. And I came across your page and I just like got sucked in because first of all, it's so inspiring and you're just so optimistic and it's just so sweet. So I don't even know where to start. Your story is so incredible. I know it's going to inspire so many people who are going through a similar struggle. Doug and I would love to hear more about your fertility journal. Journal. (laughs) I can't talk. Journey and the struggles that you had to overcome because I know that there are so many listeners who can relate. Yeah, definitely. You know, just started off like, you know, other couples out there who are struggling where, you know, things weren't really working out in the beginning. We actually started right away trying to get pregnant after our wedding and then didn't have any success there. So we ended up talking to our OBGYN who sent us to a fertility specialist. And initially we were like undiagnosed infertility. So we really didn't have a reason. That's frustrating. Yeah. It's hard when you don't, like, don't have an answer and you kind of think, okay, well, then it's kind of scarier because it's like, will this ever happen? Or like, what's wrong? We did a few treatment options in the beginning, and then we quickly just jumped into IVF because I'm just not very patient. And I was like, <laughs> I need some higher numbers here for success rates. And with IVF, the hardest thing is the waiting game. You know, it is taxing mentally, you know, and physically and financially on anybody going through fertility treatment. But I think waiting is almost the hardest part of just month to month cycles lining up and all of that stuff. Yeah. And from a guy's point of view, I mean, the trying part is always fun, but there is a point at the end where it kind of gets like, okay, we really, really want a baby. And, um, you know, the frustrating part through what we experienced was just the unknown. It's just like, oh, this happens or one in four or, you know, there's just no real answers as to what the cause of the problem is. And I'm sure that you and your husband, Adam, had spoke about this, obviously, leading up to getting married. But how long had you guys been together before? Yeah, so we met in high school, actually. So we've been dating for about 11 years now. Wow. And I'm sure you guys have spoke about kids. Was trying to have a baby right away. Was this the first time that you had a sense of the infertility issues or challenges that you had? Yeah, we went into it thinking it was going to be easy. You know, they preach your whole life through college and everything. It was prevention. And so you kind of just think, oh, as soon as I, you know, want to have a baby, it's going to just happen. So, yeah, when it wasn't happening, I was like, wait a minute, you know? Yeah, that's honestly exactly what I'm first and foremost. I mean, I feel like 
quite clearly you have had such a struggle and my heart goes out to you for that. But, you know, we had a little bit of a struggle as well. And the same exact for us who's that I was like, you know, my mom says that we pop out kids like it's our job, you know? So, you know, she had five kids and I don't think she planned for any of us. So I kind of thought it was going to be very, very easy as well. And then there's like the one in four, which actually isn't such a small number if you think about it, 25% who do struggle. And it's like, why on earth do we not share about this? Because I don't know how you felt, but in the beginning, I felt so isolated and alone and like felt like something was wrong with me. And like, what was I eating? What was I doing? Did you have any struggles of like self-guilt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I felt like every move I made, I could be detrimental to my fertility journey where I was like changing the plastics in my kitchen and changing my soaps and, you know, just really getting my head about it. You're just trying to do every single thing right so you don't, you know, cause anything to go askew. Yeah. And then whenever I would get in my head about it and think about like what I'm eating, what I'm putting on my body, all the things, I was like, but there are crack addicts who are having babies. Like, why? I was like, just, yeah. just going to say that. I was like, <laughs> and then you hear these, you know, drug addicts who, you know, have no problem or you try to remember that, that you can't control those things. And how many rounds of IVF did you go through? Uh, So we went through three retrievals where they like actually do the surgery and take multiple eggs out. Um, And then I went through eight transfers. So they were like frozen. And then once they, you know, prepped my body enough and then to put one back in constantly to see if the cycle was a success or a fail. So if you don't mind sharing, do they have any answers as to why? I mean, you went through an awful lot. Do they have any answers as to why it didn't work out for you? So, yes, we do have answers. You know, initially we were like an undiagnosed couple, which 20% of couples that go into fertility treatment are undiagnosed. Whereas, you know, medicine's evolving, you know, every year where we're getting answers to more things. But we did fall in that 20% initially. And then we did have success with IVF, but then I unfortunately kept miscarrying. So with one of my miscarriages, I was pregnant with twins and I was almost to my second trimester. And with that, I ended up having to have a dilation and curatage DNC procedure to remove the pregnancy. And with that procedure, there was some damage caused. Oh man. So that was in the end, my final diagnosis in the beginning, it was undiagnosed. But then as we went on, that issue came up. I'm so sorry to hear about that, but you did have kind of a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, going the surrogate route. Yeah. At what point did you consider surrogacy and do you know anybody that had this or how were you introduced to it? Um, I was in denial about surrogacy for the longest time. I think my doctor had to sit me down and be like, okay, I don't think this is going to happen for you. You know, he can't say it's not going to happen for me. Yeah. But I think at a certain point, he was like, okay, we need to talk about, you know, thinking down a different road right now. Yeah. Yeah. So even when we started talking about surrogacy, I wasn't done trying with me. We're fortunate enough where we get like an abundance of embryos where when we went and did a transfer for my mom, we ended up doing a transfer on me and her the same day. Oh, yeah. I did read that. Mm -hmm. What is a transfer? I know what it is, but just for any listeners that may not know what a transfer is, what is it? Uh, In IVF, when they, you know, harvest the eggs and then they take the sperm and the eggs and they fertilize them in a lab and then they're frozen. 
an IVF transfer later on is where you prep your body with medications until everything, the stars kind of align and everything looks good. And then they can put that embryo, it transfer it back inside. In hopes that it will then grow and develop into a baby. And um, and like you said, you and your mom both had that done at the same time. And I did read that, unfortunately, yours didn't make it. But your mom, uh, how is she doing? Uh, Yeah, so she's doing great. Yeah, unfortunately, mine turned into an ectopic pregnancy. But for a good week there, we really thought that we both maybe were going to carry a baby. And that was pretty exciting. But, you know, yeah, I lost mine. And then my mom's, hers kind of just, we were holding our breath, you know, after you go through so many losses, like, you know, you just kind of really tread lightly in those early stages. We weren't really jumping up and down excited. Yeah, I wanted to ask, how old is your mom? And I'm eager for your mom to get here to like chat with her as well. But from your perspective, was she like always willing? Did she offer like, how did it come about that your mom would be your surrogate? Yeah, and she can go into this too. She should be here any minute. But she, before I even needed a surrogate, she was always like on board, like if this ever came to this, I would do it. And she's just been so excited to be a grandma that she's just, you know, calling me, you know, how did your appointment go? How did this go? Like, when can we do your next transfer? Like, and then, you know, once I had a couple miscarriages and like we were going two and a half, three years in, she's like, okay, can I really do this? And she is 51 years old. So a very young 51, may I say. Yeah, yeah she, she's, she does look great. I mean, everywhere I go, everyone's like, is that your sister? You know, and, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Now, did your mom give you a discount for being a surrogate? <laughs> so in a way, yeah, not a discount, but with surrogacy, you typically compensate the surrogate, you know, um, with an amount of money. They're in a situation where your surrogate may want to do it altruistically is when they don't accept anything for their own pocket. I obviously am paying for all of her medical expenses, anything, you know, related to the pregnancy and really anything she wants. I do spoil her. But um, (laughs) yeah, she's not being compensated. She would definitely not take any money. But I told her I'm going to take her on vacation when the baby's born. I think the compensation is her grandbaby. I'm sure she would agree. Yeah, (laughs) she does. She does. (laughs) I mean, I just have to say, like, what a special, special bond your mom is going to have with your baby and that you have now with your mom. Most, well, I shouldn't say most women. I don't have a bond with my mom, but like, it seems like you have a great bond with your mom, but like how much more bonded you are now? Like I would, for sure, if my daughter ever had issues, I would for sure do this if I could. Me too. (laughs) We've always been super close. Definitely like one of my best friends, you know, always can rely on her, super supportive in everything I do. I feel like we were so close before that this just seems almost normal in a weird way. Oh, that's really touching. And I think that's what gets me about your story, just the love of a mother and how close you are. And I mean, there's nothing more precious than a gift of life. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so grateful that she would, you know, do this for us. She's, you know, giving up her life, her body, everything she enjoys to do, you know, right now. So she can do this for us and she'll be here to say, but she's like, You want to do anything to help your kids. You know, you want to see your kids succeed and you want to see your kids be happy. And you also don't want to see your kids struggle financially. And she's like, if I'm able and I can do this for you, then 
I want to do this. That's amazing. I think it's kind of uh, a chuckle just for someone being 51 and going into work and saying, I need maternity leave. That's probably not <laughs> something that happens a <laughs> yeah, lot. right? What was your husband's reaction to all this in terms of support? Had he been there? What was your husband's reaction to everything? Yeah, so my husband is super supportive of everything. He's also super close with both of my parents. We do a lot of traveling, you know, together. So I think when this like came about, well, initially going into it, I really didn't think it was going to happen. Like I know what the guidelines are for surrogacy. I know what the clinic's cutoff ages are. I know, you know, everything. And Can so, you share a little bit real fast about that? Because like, I don't yeah. actually know an awful lot about it at all. Is there a cutoff age for surrogacy? There typically is. They recommend, you know, every clinic's a little different. They'll give and take. But I mean... Our clinic, my doctor prefers under 38, you know, he'll max out at 42 and like ASMR guidelines, I'm pretty sure they say 45, they don't want to see anyone over 45. And then there's so many other, you know, stipulations, like you have to have completely smooth pregnancies, vaginal births, minimal of two C-sections, you have to already have a child, be done having children psychologically you have to pass exams and tests there physically you have to pass a regimen of testing i just want to make sure that you know that person that's going to be carrying is medically you know sound and safe to be able to do this so getting and having your mom agree to be a surrogate for you after that cuz i'm sure it's not just as easy as like okay yeah i found a surrogate did your mom have to go through testing kind of like what you had just mentioned yeah you know was there concern that she may not be able to carry for you yeah she actually had to go through a lot more testing than the typical surrogate because of her age so she had like ekgs and stress tests panels and panels of blood work you know she had to be cleared by three different doctors and then uh, four, including a psychologist. So, you know, my husband and I, we really didn't even think it was going to happen. We didn't really start kind of looking at each other like, whoa, this might happen until she cleared all of those. And did you have a plan B if your mother couldn't carry for you? Were you looking the surrogate route? Or at this point, it'd be like plan Z because yeah. <laughs> after everything yeah. you've been through. So at that point in our lives, we had sold our home and we had put all of the equity from our house into our treatment, even for my mom to do it, you know, to save up, to do surrogacy, the more quote, normal way, traditional way. So our plan Z at that point was just, we really didn't have one, I guess, but we knew we weren't going to stop. You know, the financials were the biggest burden. So we had basically sold our first home, moved in with my parents and we're saving up money that way pretty quickly so we could kind of make decisions on what we were going to do if that didn't work out. Wow. This baby has a lot of paying back to do. (laughs) I know. I know it. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? We do. So it's a baby girl. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh my goodness. It's going to be three generations. So the surrogacy part, so do they take your eggs and embryo and inject it into your mom? So, so it's technically not like your husband getting your mom pregnant. Come on. I know that no. Sound, no, I know it sounds weird, but it's your everything from your body being placed into your mother, right? Doug is so sarcastic all no, the time. I, oh, no. I genuinely don't know. And I'm asking no. for real. Yeah, and that's a great thing, too, because I think it's good to explain that part. Because for me, I'm so used to the conversation that it's obvious. But for others, it's not. 
And it is my biological egg and my husband's sperm. My mom is just kind of the oven or the host, just like if it were a stranger were to carry. So she is related to the baby, but only by a grandmother standpoint. Do you have any fears as far as like bonding with the baby and your mom bonding with the baby? And, you know, because it is your baby, but you're not the one carrying it. And so do you have any fears at all of like bonding and or if your mom feels like it might be her daughter or anything of that nature? Um, Not really. I don't. But, you know, sometimes maybe I'll get in my head a little bit or something. And I was like, Mom, what if the baby doesn't, like, recognize my voice? Or what if she wants your voice? And my mom just looked at me and was like, you sound just like me. So you should, like, stop being weird. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Now, was your dad fully on board for this? She, my mom is actually here now. She just did, sat down with me. Oh, so you say hi. Hi. How are you? Hi there, Julie. How are you? I'm good. We are so, so excited to have you and your daughter on. I feel like you guys must have such a special bond that's now even more special with what you're doing for your daughter. And it's just so heart melting. It's just amazing. Oh, thank you. So now that you're here, ladies, how far along pregnant, should I say, are you ladies? I don't know. How, how, should, I, how should I approach that? Yeah. yeah, you can direct it towards her. I'm actually 26 weeks and six days today. August 20th, I actually will turn seven months. So I'll be 28 weeks next week. Wow. So wow. starting the third trimester. Yay. That just, first and foremost, like Brianna, that milestone when you reach like where the there's viability if the baby was to come early. Like, how did that feel for you now that you're past that? I do feel better, you know, getting past that. But I thought before I was there that when I hit 24 weeks, like I'll feel better. But your anxieties just shift into something else. And now I'm thinking about the next thing and the birth and planning that. And I think you just worry forever is what I've learned. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And also like, obviously, as you know, like I didn't have as much of a struggle as you had, but same thing. I think anybody who's had any sort of a loss previously, when you go into your next pregnancy and then you feel silly for worrying because you're like, oh, I'm being dramatic or, oh, this and that. But it's like so valid, these feelings of the worries. I mean, it really, really is. And I mean, my heart goes out to you because I'm sure you're still in it, in the thick of it. Thank goodness your mom is, I mean, literally by your side through all of it. So that's amazing. Julie, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good. It's starting to get a little uncomfortable. (laughs) I have to move around a little more, but overall, I really can't complain. It's been a pretty easy pregnancy. How was the first trimester? Was it, you know, were you like throwing up or really tired or any of those things? I was nauseous, but I never threw up and I was just really tired. I literally do not remember six weeks of the first trimester. (laughs) I think I slept like 22 hours a day. It really kicked my rear. I didn't think I would be that tired, but yeah, I was. And I'm telling you, like my mom does not sit around. She is like a two-time Boston Marathon runner, like triathlon athlete. Yeah, she is always on the go. So like to see her sleep so much, I was like, wake up, I'm bored. Let's hang out. There's no question as to how she's healthy enough to carry a baby. And it's just so sweet, I think. And it made me tear up a bit, just the bond that you have and bringing a new life into the family to continue with this. It's just really special. I'm curious from the surrogacy standpoint, like what other kind of things do you have to do in order to carry a baby, you know, that you didn't conceive? Yeah. So like if you're a surrogate going into it, 
you know, initially you have to pass the test that we kind of talked about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. From there, they're just going to kind of line up your menstrual cycle so they can kind of control when your cycle is through birth control and then hormone injections. And then the surrogate will do some injections to kind of prepare the body. And then they put the embryo back in like around the same time that you would conceive naturally. So it's about the middle of the cycle. And then in a normal cycle, when a woman's trying to get pregnant, they kind of know whether it's a missed period or not. So it's kind of the same thing when they put that embryo in, you're kind of waiting till the end of the cycle to see if your period doesn't come or it does come. But with the hormones, your body's a little thrown off. So they do kind of check it more with blood draws to kind of confirm the pregnancy rather than if you get a full bleed or not. Gotcha. And Julie, what was your husband's thought about all of this? Oh, he was definitely 100% on board. He was actually more supportive during the times that I was a little nervous. He was there to like encourage me and say, you got this. And he was awesome. Brianna, you have amazing parents. (laughs) For current topics, like how has the pandemic made the pregnancy difficult or has it in any way for you guys? Yeah, it's made it very not fun. Yeah, Yeah, Aaron has not been able to go to a single appointment. So that's been quite a bummer. And it's important, I think, too, you know, he feels like the fifth wheel completely on this. So he's kind of shifted his focus into like getting our house ready and getting the nursery ready. Because, you know, sometimes I like joke, I'm like, oh, me and my mom are having a baby. (laughs) And he's like, what about me? Like he doesn't get to kind of do anything. And just because, you know, of the pandemic and everything that he can't even go inside of the hospital. And right now we're actually having a lot of concerns and fears about the delivery room and like what that's going to look like. You know, before the pandemic, it would have been the four of us in there, but now only one person can be in there. And so that's where my anxieties have kind of shifted as of lately, trying to figure out how that's going to work and what that's going to look like for us. Yeah. And we had the same issues and we decided on a home birth as opposed to going to the hospital. But honestly, all of those fears, the anxiety, all of that just becomes a moot point. Once you look into your baby's eyes, it just takes everything away. Yeah, but I'm... I mean, I feel like if her husband isn't able to be there at that moment, you know, I just can't imagine like the internal struggle that you guys are going through. You know, I just I just can't picture him meeting his daughter when we're discharged three days later, whatever it is. You know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, no. Julie, are you having a C-section or are you going to deliver naturally? No, I'm hoping for natural. Okay. If everything goes, you know, it's kind of like up in the air. It's just going to depend on how my health goes in the third trimester and if she's breech, you know, yeah. and she hasn't turned. So it's kind of up in the air, but I'm really hoping natural. Yeah, I think that's so great that you go into it saying that it's up in the air because I don't know if you know, but I used to be a labor and delivery nurse. And so it's interesting when women come in and they have such a birth plan, they want to stick to it. I mean, honestly, inevitably, the person who comes yeah. in that says it's up in the air tends to have such a safe, normal delivery. And then the person who's really like stressed out about making sure that she follows whatever birth plan she has, it just inevitably doesn't work out like that because you can't really control these things. And so I think that's such a great mindset going into the delivery. I mean, I know you're due in November, so hopefully by November things have calmed down. But if not, you have a great mindset going into it. Yeah, I trust the doctors and nurses at the hospital. I really like my doctors. So whatever they think is going to be the best is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And this question, I don't mean to offend or anything. I don't mean this in a silly way, but 
are you able or will you be breastfeeding the baby after or going to formula? Oh, yeah. It's not silly at all. I don't have any expectations for my mom in that department. I'm going to let her do whatever she wants. I think you do want to breastfeed. Yeah, I'm going to try it. Yeah. I just figure, you know, it's good for the baby going into the flu season. And, you know, why not give it a shot? So we're going to try it and we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we have open expectations there too. (laughs) But whatever she's comfortable with, if she wants to breastfeed in the hospital or breastfeed when she's probably be pumping. I mean, that's the great thing about breastfeeding is that you can pump. And so then, Brianna, then you can obviously be able to... She can bottle feed. So it'll be mostly pumping and bottle feeding. And the silver lining of it all... Julie, you know, of having a baby is that when you deliver this baby, you have two people who are the actual parents who are full board ready to help, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh no, that's yours. I like to sleep during the night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here you go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's so sweet. But I mean, wow. Like what an incredible, incredible journey, Brianna, for you from the beginning to now. And Julie, for you as well. I mean, obviously you're her mom. So you've been there through every single moment of their struggle and their journey. And I mean, if this isn't like the epitome of family, I don't know what is. I'm just like almost getting teary eyed talking to you. I can't even tell you how touching it is. And I know that when you're in it, you probably don't stop to think about how touching it is that you have such a great relationship. But let me tell you, like for me on an outsider perspective, you know, I don't have a close relationship with my mom. I just think that you two are so incredibly wonderful. I really do. And honestly, I cannot wait for the birth of your baby, Brianna. (laughs) Um, Do you guys have a name picked out or are you keeping that secret? We're keeping it secret for now. I don't blame you. I mean, there is... Yeah. You know, everyone has an opinion and it's like after the baby comes out, it doesn't even matter because you see the baby and the name will just fit. So good for you. Not for nothing, but we picked out our name last minute because we were like, oh God, we got to name our kid. And then we changed the name after we saw him. So I am so happy for you, Brianna. I feel like if your mom would have lost the baby as well, I feel like your heart would have just been so crushed. So I am just so happy that your first transfer with your mom, with your surrogate, it worked out. It's working out. And your baby girl is growing healthy and strong. So happy for you. We're just so lucky and happy and thankful. Everything has been going so smoothly. You know, the pregnancy has really been textbook at this point. So we just couldn't ask for much else. Yeah. That's amazing. We're just grateful. And I know it's one thing at a time, but are you looking to the future as far as will you try for a second baby or Brianna, are you going to still try or has the doctor said it's probably not likely that you can carry? You know, we have a lot of embryos still frozen that we'll continue to kind of hang on to until we decide another plan. But I think, you know, I definitely want a second child, however that may come, whether it's, you know, from another surrogate. The chances are probably slim with me, but, you know, there's still some hope in that. Yeah. You always hear about those miracle stories where the doctor said they never could. And then, you know, surprise, I'm pregnant. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, I hold on to that a little bit. But, you know, or maybe, you know, if we decide to go the adoption route for a second child, you know, everything's kind of still on the table there. Yeah. Haven't put too much thought into it. Just trying to enjoy this part of yes. the ride right now. Definitely. That's exactly all that you should be worried about or focusing on. And it sounds like you have another home all lined up for whenever you have the baby. We do. Yeah, we're in our new home right now. I'm just unpacking boxes. Oh, I am so, so happy to hear that. I mean, I live with my in-laws when we were pregnant with my daughter. They were 
my roommates. Yeah, they were my yeah. kitchen tables. And there is something special about having your own space. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. Let's be honest. If let's say like you have your mom and your dad there to help, you know, feeding the baby, changing the baby, get up with the baby. But it sounds like Julie really wants a break. And there's something special yeah. about <laughs> having your own space and just figuring out parenthood all by yourself. Like there's definitely something amazing about that. So I am so, so happy for you. Well, thank you so much for coming on Hot Marriage Cool Parents and sharing your story. I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's probably not a dry eye listening to this whole entire story. So thanks for sharing with us. I know that you have inspired so many people. So Brianna, thank you so much for just staying so positive and staying so strong. And Julie, you are an epic mother, let me tell you. Thank you. Real fast, if people who are listening wanted to be able to follow you in your journey, where could they find you? Uh, They can find me on Instagram at ivf.surrogacy.diary. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. All right, bye ladies. Wow, that story is so incredibly touching and inspiring. And I don't know if you could tell, but I almost felt like nervously awkward asking some questions. I didn't want to be intrusive or I wanted to be really careful because Brianna has gone through so much to get to this point. Yeah, I can't imagine financially what goes on just even with IVF treatments. I I know it costs a ton of money. Yeah. And like the fact that she had to sell her house, the fact that, you know, she had to move in with her parents. And honestly, my heart breaks for her husband because I feel like, you know, guys, you're already so far removed because you aren't carrying the baby. But then when it's actually, you know, the mother carrying, you're even that further removed. And so I'm sure that that's been a bit of an obstacle, but their optimism, I just adore them. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Just the perseverance and you have to have a strong man behind that, just being on board with everything. I mean, just imagine wanting to have a baby so much that you sell off everything and to prepare for this baby and you keep going and going after years and years and then there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I cannot wait to see this little baby girl. I'm like rooting for them hardcore. But yeah, so that's it for this week. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Yet another week. We love you. Yes, and you can keep up to date with everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents by going to our Instagram page at Hot Marriage Cool Parents or follow Jamie and I, Jamie and Otis or Doug Hainer and wash your hands and wear a face mask, please. Yeah, we're wearing our masks. I even have Gracie wearing her mask still. But we have an amazing guest on again next week. I'm going to keep it a surprise because this one is so good. It's going to knock your socks off. Thank you. And we love you. We love you guys. Bye.